1: chapter 33. Please open your Bibles to Exodus, chapter 33, second book of the Bible, Old Testament. While you're turning there, you know, I mentioned to our worship team as they came down that the choices of songs tonight was so perfect and I know Pastor Joe says this all the time. We did not speak before tonight about the message. But some of the words to the first song that they did, Holy Spirit, says, There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope, your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your Presence, Lord. Tonight, we are going to talk about the intimate presence of God. Or, an alternative title would be God's Presence or God's Presence. Now, my kids can tell you that for years, as, as uh, they were small, I would tell them, Especially for holidays, for Christmas especially, I would say I don't want your presence ENTS. I want your presence ENCE. Now you know the difference, right? One of them is about stuff and one of them is about relationships. It's about it's about gathering together. And although I said it sort of tongue in cheek, it's really I'm sincere. In that, And as a father, I really want their presence more than anything else. I want their companionship. I want their friendship. I want their physical presence. So when the focus, like this time of the year, so much is on presence, E-N-T-S, tonight I want to focus on the other presence. Presence. The presence of God. God wants us. To desire that presence from Him. Our relationship with God needs to be more than what we can get out of it. You know, sometimes you hear people say, Well, I come to church to get blessed. Or, I left that church because I wasn't getting what I needed. But I want to turn that around a little bit. The truth is, our relationship with the Lord should be one of just desiring His presence more and more in our lives. And as we gather together here and study the Word of God, we will grow closer to Him. And that's really what it's all about. You know, Adam and Eve had a very unique relationship with God, a relationship that included fellowship and the continual presence of God in their lives. But after the fall, after the sin, their relationship with God changed. In Genesis 3.8, after the fall, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. They hid themselves From the presence of the Lord. Up until that point, they enjoyed the presence of the Lord. They enjoyed fellowship with God, a relationship, a special, unique, intimate relationship. You know, our relationship with God is dependent on our desire for His presence in our lives. You know, when we sin, we don't want God's presence. Like Adam and Eve, they were fleeing from God's presence. We don't want to be reminded of our sin with God's presence. Psalm 139 speaks about an intimate relationship with the Lord. It asks this question, the psalmist asks, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. So the psalmist here didn't necessarily want to get away from God, but he was acknowledging the omnipresence of God. Although we may be out of the presence of people many times, we're never out of God's presence. But his presence has a twofold characteristic to it. First, it can be a frightening thing, if you think about it. Where can we go from God? His Spirit, where can we flee from His presence? That's a little scary when we're in the midst of sin. We don't want to be reminded of God's presence. But also, His presence can be comforting. It can be strengthening. It can be loving when we're walking with Him, when we're, when we're in union with Him, when we're in fellowship with Him. And that's the aspect of his presence that we should always be seeking. Throughout the book of Exodus, we're exposed to this extraordinary relationship that Moses had with God. He experienced God's presence in a very special way. Remember, he went up to Mount Sinai to meet with the Lord, and the Lord appeared to him in a burning bush, the presence of God. And Moses wanted the people to experience the presence of God also. The problem was that the people were in continual sin and rebellion against God. They didn't want God's presence. They didn't want God's provision. Remember, they complained about what they had to eat and what they had to drink in the wilderness experience. They didn't want God's presence. So, we need to ask ourselves the same question. Do we want his presence in our lives? Do we really want an intimate relationship with the Lord? Or do we want to just see what we can get from God? Do we want his presence, E-N-C-E, or his E-N-T-S in our lives? And we see in this chapter a progressive level of a relationship between God and Moses. Very beautiful. And Moses continued to desire more and more and more of God. And he got more and more of God. See, that's the whole lesson for us. The more we want of him, the more he will reveal himself to us. As a little background to today's message, Moses just returned from 40 days on Mount Sinai. He received the Ten Commandments. He received other instructions directly from God. He experienced intimately the presence of God in a way that few people have ever ever experienced it. But just as God's promises are always true, God's presence also could be withdrawn. And that's... A very scary thing. We'll see today that we can have as little or as much of God as we want. It's really up to us. So again, think about that question, how much of God do I want in my lives as we begin this story? So jumping in in the first six verses, we see some good news and we see some bad news. So... Let's start in verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it, and I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for i will not go up in your midst lest i consume you on the way for you are a stiff-necked people and when the lord heard and when the people heard this bad news they mourned and no one put on his ornaments for the lord had said to moses say to the children of israel you are a stiff-necked people I could come up into your midst in one moment and consume you. Now, therefore, take off your ornaments that I may know what to do to you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. You are a stiff-necked people, the Lord told Moses to tell them. What does that mean? That means they were stubborn. That means they were self-willed. That means they were in rebellion against God, the very God who would take them into the land flowing with milk and honey. Now look at this very unusual test by God. He's telling Moses here, and through Moses to the people, I will give you all the blessings I promised, the land, the wealth, the victory over your enemies, but I'm going to do it from afar. I'm going to do it from afar. You won't experience that close, personal intimacy with me. You can still, you'll still receive the blessings, but my presence will be departed from you. It's like when we receive from the Lord a blessing and we say, hey, thanks God. Just keep bringing those blessings coming. Just, don't require anything of me, or don't get too close, or, or don't, I don't need your presence, especially when I'm in the midst of sin. See, the good news was that God's blessings would remain. The bad news was that his presence would be withdrawn. God challenged Moses, and he challenged the people to see where their hearts really were. Was that arrangement acceptable to them? Would they be okay with that? I'll give you the land flowing with milk and honey, but you won't have my presence. Was that okay with them, or did they desire a more intimate relationship for us? Are we okay with that? Are we okay with with only a partial relationship with the Lord, or do we want more? Do we seek deeper, a deeper relationship with God In verse three, notice what God says, "Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people." So again, he wasn't removing the blessings, he was just removing his presence. He says, "Go receive what I promised. I won't go back on my word. Remember, God's promises will come true, but I won't be with you the way I was before. Do we settle for that sometimes with God? Do we settle for a bare minimum of a relationship with God? Good questions to ask, especially at this time of of the year. And the Lord gave Moses a choice to put before the people. Turn from their sin and repent And God will not only continue to bless them, but also his presence would be evident in their lives. Now that is real revival. Turning from your sin and asking and seeking for more and more of God. That's what it looks like. You see, it's a choice we make. We want more of God's presence in our lives. More of that intimacy. More of that relationship in our lives. You know, it says in the New Testament in Matthew to seek first the kingdom of God and then all these other things will be added unto you. Are we doing that in our lives or do we seek the things? Do we seek the ENTS and not the presence ENCE of God? One commentator says, To be given every other blessing is of no value if God is not with you. What is the value of Canaan? What is the value of milk and honey? What is the value of having possessions if God was not with them? They saw that the realization of the presence of God, having fellowship and company, was infinitely more important than anything else. In today's language, what's the value of that new car? What's the value of that big screen TV? What's the value of that vacation home? What's the value of all the stuff if God is not with us? Does it really have any lasting value? Moving on in verse 5. The second half of verse 5, it says, Now therefore take off your ornaments that I may know what to do to you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. Taking off their ornaments was a way of showing humility and repentance. They were making their choice for God's presence in a tangible and substantial way. Stripping themselves of all of that stuff, of the outward adornment. But did we, do we mourn the loss of God's presence in our lives? Would we do that? Would we strip away all of the stuff in our lives if we could have more intimacy with God? It's a good question to ask. It's a really a heart check for all of us. Moving on in verses 7 through 10. It says, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, Far from the camp, and called it the Tabernacle of Meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the Tabernacle of Meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was, whenever Moses went to the tabernacle, that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door, and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, when Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. Notice at the beginning there where it says, Moses pitched his tent outside the camp, far from the camp, outside the camp. Why was this? Wouldn't it be more convenient to have the tabernacle of meeting God, the dwelling place of God, wouldn't it be more convenient for them to have it in the camp? It says here, it was far from the camp. So what did that mean? That meant that it would take an effort for the people to go to meet with God. It wasn't at their convenience. Look, it says that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting. Are you seeking the Lord in your life? Or is it only at your convenience? Do you seek him at times when you're down? Do you seek him at times when everything's going well in your life? Or is it only at your convenience? This was a kind of a test for the people here. The tabernacle of meeting was moved outside the camp meant that each person had to make a decision whether God was worth the effort, so to speak. Is God worth the effort? Can we be counted among those who seek the Lord and make that effort to meet with Him? Or is it secondary in our life to all the other stuff? How many times... Have you heard people say or maybe you've said it yourself oh I'd come to church but it's it's really early and Sunday's my day of rest or I have other things I'd like to do or some people say I'll think about God at another time in my life but I'm just so busy right now with more important things. I've heard that. I've said that. But are we making the effort to seek the Lord? Are we going outside the camp? Are we taking that step of faith to seek more and more of him in our lives? So after seeing the people's desire to have more of God, God, Moses, tested them a little bit more in this way. He separated those who truly wanted a relationship with God with those who didn't, or who just wanted the blessings. I'll just take what you have to give me, Lord, but I don't want a real intimate relationship with you. It requires a commitment on our parts to build and to sustain a relationship with God, just like it does with any other relationship. You know, I can speak about marriage. It, it takes a commitment to build and sustain a good marriage. It just doesn't happen. Any important relationship would have that aspect to it, that it's a commitment on two people's parts to keep that relationship strong. And again, notice the the meeting place of God was outside the camp, It made a distinction between those who really sought after God and kind of the hangers-on, so to speak. Those who wanted to really draw closer to him had to actually make a public decision. People noticed when others went outside the camp to meet with God in the tabernacle. You couldn't keep it to yourself. We shouldn't be ashamed of our relationship with God. We should make that effort and and let others know what's most important in our lives, what the priority in our lives is. And then in verse 11, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Here we see God's presence manifested in Moses' life. Face-to-face, as a man speaks to his friend. How intimate is that? Now, we don't do that much in, social, in the time of social media. You know, you can have hundreds of friends on Facebook, but how many times do you actually speak to them face-to-face? Not too often. But this was intimacy. This was God's presence. Now this face-to-face is not face-to-face as as we would think of it because God is spirit, but it's a spiritual thing. It's describing an intimate relationship, a close relationship that Moses had with God. With God, his presence is intimate, it's deep, it's profound. Just like face-to-face with another person. Then moving on in verses 12 through 16. Says, then Moses said to the Lord, you say, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you and I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. And he, God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it, it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. This is really, really awesome. Because Moses got it here. The whole point to this is, and this is what brings application into our lives. Look, in order to walk in this world as Christians, and please god and walk according to his will his presence must be with us just like moses said here if your presence doesn't go with us don't bring us up from here i don't want to take one step in this life without god's presence in my life that should be our that should be how we live we don't want to go anywhere unless God is with us. Our prayer needs to be something like, Lord, I can't walk in this world. I can't be a light in a dark place without your presence in my life. It has to be that cut and dry. I can't do it, Lord, without you. And as believers, that needs to be our focus all the time. All the time. In verse 14, he says, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And I will give you rest. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. How many, how many of you could use some rest? This is such a busy time of year with so much going on physically, emotionally, sometimes we just feel drained, right? We need rest. You now it says in the New Testament that Jesus Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a day for rest. When we rest in him, he gives us that peace. Look what look what it says here in verse 14. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. The two go hand in hand. The two go hand in hand. If it's not for God's presence in our life, we're going to be striving in this life. We're not going to have the rest that we so desire. And rest really means peace. It means means contentment. Rest means being able to just fall on Jesus and allow Him to be our everything and not keep striving for other things, not putting other things in front of Him. And boy, whenever I ask that question, how many of you need rest? Almost everybody raises their hands. More than once sometimes. It just feels that way. This world is so fast-paced, right? Where do we find our rest? We find it in the presence of God in our lives. You know, when you're praying, when you're really in deep prayer with the Lord, don't you feel restful? Doesn't that give you peace? When it's just you and God, and you're really experiencing His presence in your life. That's an awesome thing. We're going we're to keep, keep moving through here. In verses 17 and 18. The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. What an intimate thing. God knows us by name. When we seek him, When we make him number one, the the priority in everything that we do, he knows our name. That's intimacy right there. And then Moses said in verse 18, please show me your glory. Show me your glory. So Moses here wanted the presence of God, but he wanted more. And not more stuff, more of God. You know, when God reveals his glory, he reveals his character. What, What Moses is saying here, I want you to be with me. I want you to be close to me. It wasn't enough for Moses to know God was with him. He wanted that relationship to be close and intimate. Do you sense that in your life, in your relationship with the Lord? Whether you're a new believer or you're just getting to understand what this relationship with God is all about, or you've been a believer for years, we should always desire that close relationship with God and hungering for more of God. We should never be satisfied with what we have of God because he wants to give us more and more. It says in Matthew 5, 6, Jesus is giving his beautiful sermon on the mount. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Do we hunger and thirst? Are we really, is that our lifeblood? More of God. More of God in our life. His glory, his character, the feeling of knowing God. And that sense that he's with us all the time. You know, we sing Emmanuel at this time of year. It means God with us. That's his presence in our lives. That's the intimate relationship. Nothing in the world compares, like we sang earlier, more of the Holy Spirit. And our relationship with God can become deeper and deeper as we desire and seek more and more of Him. We start to know God's character. We draw closer to Him. So I asked at the beginning, How much of God do you want? How much of God do you want in your life? Are we okay with just a little? Or do we want to know Him more and more every day? Do we want to know what pleases God? Do we, do we want to have a sense that we're walking in His will? for our lives? Or do we want to just go our own way, our own self directed life? And then in verses nineteen through twenty-two here, then then he said, then God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock, so it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. God's glory is manifest or revealed in his goodness. In the the bridge of that song we sang earlier, we sang, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Moses wanted to see God's glory. Where is God's glory revealed to us? How do we experience God's glory? It's in his goodness. It's in his goodness. The two, again, go hand in hand. He satisfies the longing soul, it says in in Psalm 107, verse 9. He satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. That's our God. The goodness of God is what satisfies our souls. That's how his glory is revealed. That's how his character is revealed to us. It's in his goodness. There's been many times uh, in the Bible, or several times in the Bible, that God's glory is experienced by people. You know, Isaiah experienced the glory of God and And he realized his own sinfulness, right? In the midst of God's holiness. The Apostle Paul writes about his experience with God's glory. And it was too awesome to even put into words. Do you have that experience with God? Are you experiencing the goodness of God because you desire the presence of God in your life? Are you experiencing God's blessings in your life, not because you want stuff, but because you want more of him? And then he just showers them down upon you. That's just the way our God is. Moses, Isaiah, Paul, they were only given a glimpse of God's glory. But think about this, as believers, we're going to experience we are going to experience Jesus face to face. It's not going to be just a spiritual thing. Eventually, when we're with him, it will be face to face. That's how intimate it's going to be. That's our hope. As believers, we, we live to see the face of Jesus, right? That's our hope. That should encourage us and motivate us in this life. How much of God do we want? Well, he's willing to give us all of himself. But the only way to experience that is to really nurture that relationship with God through his son, Jesus, through the study of the scriptures, through intimate prayer time with him. In this life, we will experience God's presence. It'll be through his goodness. It'll be through him working in our lives to bless us and to bless others and to serve others you know we see god's glory when we do that you 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 folks who serve others you know that you know god's glory is revealed in those things just closing up apart from his intimate presence We only can partly experience this life. With God's presence, seeking it daily, and wanting more and more of God, we'll actually experience the abundant life that God has for each one of us.